Welcome to episode 064, the many ways in which I practice conscious parenting. Welcome, I'm your host, Claire Obeyed. One Woke Mama is a journey of awakening through the raw, sometimes painful, always beautiful and definitely messy ride that is motherhood. This is our journey in mind, body and soul towards consciousness. We seek clarity, we hunt down the truth, we dive into the discomfort of healing, uncovering shadows and rising out of them back into the new woman that we're meant to be. Hey beautiful ones, I am back on the mic. I am so excited to dive into today's episode, which is all about the very specific ways not all of the ways, but many of the ways that I choose to consciously parent. Before we get into that, just a reminder that Breath Medicine, my live stream breathwork classes, are scheduled in for October 9th and October 23rd. And that will probably be daylight savings time by then. Yes, it will. So that's 7.45 p.m. Australian daylight saving time. These classes have been so incredibly supportive to so many people over the last few months, especially during lockdown and isolation and just even for those who are having really full-on weeks at work or experiencing really full-on times with family members, having a Friday night session to breathe, to meditate, to reflect, to ground is incredibly supportive and powerful. So if you want to book into the next one or two, you can head over to the website, clarabay.com slash breathwork-classes. Classes are 15 bucks each. You receive a replay and you can also purchase a five-class pack, which is only $60. So you pay for four and you get five classes. Okay, so we are going to dive in now to a discussion and a share from me on how I choose to consciously parent. So firstly, what is conscious parenting? If I'm to think about the many different teachers or the books that I've read on conscious parenting, there seems to be this core idea, this paradigm shift that the problem within our parenting experience isn't so much the children, but our own unconscious patterns and our own unconscious behaviors as individuals and parents. So the focus tends to be more on us as an individual and how we can create a shift and change from within us rather than forcing the child's behavior to be different or working with discipline or working with certain structures in order to um, get the result that we're looking for. So we're not trying to fix our children, but rather perhaps work on healing and transforming and up-leveling ourselves. So if I think about uh, one of the most incredible authors and teachers unconscious parenting. I think about Dr. Shafali Tsarbari. I always seem to say that wrong. And I think about her book, The Awakened Family. And I, I have it in front of me and Oprah is quoted on the cover of this book saying, Dr. Shafali is so evolved that her ideas are really a paradigm shift that can change the world. And I think that that just says so much. Perhaps conscious parenting is new to you. Perhaps it's not. Perhaps it's just simply a remembering, a coming back to a state of presence and mindfulness, a state of respect and honoring of yourself, your own story and history, and of course, respecting and honoring your child. 
these concepts of con- conscious parenting felt really natural for me to uh, eventually move into as a parent because they're deeply rooted in ancient Eastern beliefs. And of course, Western psychology is there as well. And that's a really beautiful space for me to be in because so much of my work is a blend of those Eastern philosophies and beliefs and Western psychology. And essentially to me, consciousness is about being mindful. It's about a sense of awareness. It's about a sense of intentionality and being able to separate ourselves away from our ego and our story and our belief systems and our appropriated ideas and our ego and actually stay back in the center of ourselves and in the center of presence and tap into a a calm, grounded state, a mindful state. And from there, making decisions to parent our child based on who they are and what's happening to them and in our circumstances as a family, as opposed to what the textbooks tell us. Because let's be honest, we are not raising robots. Although I have frequently felt that that would be so much easier if I had a child, a robotic child that I could just program. But of course, what makes our children so special is that they aren't a robot. They aren't the same. They aren't a cookie cutter. They aren't created from the same mold. They are unique and individual with their own story, their own past lives, their own lineage, their own feelings and responses. And this is why we must parent consciously because it allows us to respond not only to them and their needs, but to what we are learning and growing through as parents via our parenting journey. (sighs) I just said all of that, it just kind of flowed straight out. I had to take a breath because it's not an easy thing to be conscious. It's easier to do rote parenting, just whatever it was that you learned, whatever it was that happened to you, no uh, awareness, no connection, and just to... Uh, parent off the cuff and reactively. That's kind of easy because that's just what's already programmed into our system, isn't it? But being present, living from the present, being awake, being conscious, being vulnerable, being humble, being authentic, seeing our children as gurus who are also here to awaken and grow us, seeing all of this as a gift of self-awareness and self-expression and deep self-belief, that's actually more challenging than it is to rote parent. I'm sure you agree with me. Hence why I even have this podcast, because when I say that I am one woke mama, I'm not in any way implying that I am fully and completely awake. Of course I'm not. Of course I'm not. I am waking. I am on the journey of waking up of consciousness, of working through the joys and the highs and lows of parenting, of motherhood. But I'm willing to consciously and deliberately be in this experience. I'm willing to wake up. I'm willing to uh, work with the sticky points and the shadow areas so that I can find more and more light that feels more authentic and more true and more delicious because we've had to seek it out and embrace it and step towards it and be with whatever is arising. So what I want to share with you here are just some examples. I've got 13 actually for the moment, but I know there's going to be more that I'll remember after I've recorded this, but I've got 13 examples of how I actually practice conscious parenting on a day-to-day basis with my children. So here's the little asterisk, here's the clause on the side note. 
I've kind of already said this, but I'll say it again. I am in the process with you. I am learning with you. I am growing through motherhood and parenting just like you are. I am not preaching. I am not a guru on motherhood. I am absolutely not perfect. The amount of times that I trip up and make mistakes and fumble my way through blindly and have regrets and feel guilt and shame is just like the rest of you. But part of me sharing this today is a reminder for myself of all the things that I do consciously, all the things that I am as a conscious being, all the ways that I have taken um, the, the great and the incredible from my mother and my father and how they parented and also all the ways that I have changed what they did or didn't do for us without any judgment on them, without any anger or frustration, they did what they did and how they did it is how they did it for whatever reason. They did an incredible job considering what they had or didn't have. But the clause here is that everything that I share to you, please know that these aren't how I shop perfectly every single day, that I have many moments of mistakes and errors and confusion and frustration and very many moments of ego reactions and... Uh, un unconscious behavior. So please know that as I, as I go through this. So that being said, let's start here with number one, and these are not in any order. This is just what's poured out of me as I was writing. So firstly, I apologize when I make a mistake. I apologize when I yell or handle a situation in an unconscious way. Now, this is not a meek begging for forgiveness apology where I feel really unempowered or uh, desperate for forgiveness. But it's more a demonstration of my respect for my child and a demonstration of how much I love and honor them and that I'm so willing to see my errors and to own them and to improve on them. And that's super important for me because it takes down my barriers. It softens me when I'm feeling frustrated or angry. And it also shows them that I'm human and I'm not perfect and that I'm learning. And I actually say that to my daughter all the time. I'm learning on the job, honey. I'm actually learning on the job. I didn't know how to be a mummer and I'm learning on the job. And although I wish I could be better sometimes at certain things, I'm willing to learn from my mistakes. I'm willing to pick myself up, dust myself off, put my hand up and say, I did the wrong thing then. I did a boo-boo. Uh, but can you work with me? Can you work with me here and help me understand what you need? Or call me out when you need to. The second thing that I do as a conscious parent is I see that I am the center of my feelings of resentment or frustration or anger. That it's not my child that is the reason or at the center of those feelings. It's not my child's fault. You did not do this to me. You did what you did. And the way I feel is how I've chosen to feel. And it may not have been a conscious choice, but it's still within and from me. My children are simply triggering any unhealed wounds and shadows within and bringing up belief systems that are ready to be healed, if I'm willing to look. And it's my job as their parent to continually work on myself. This is why motherhood for me has been the fastest, most intense amplification of spiritual growth and healing. So again, this teaches my children that they can do the same for themselves in the future, that they can work on themselves, that they are 
allowed to and encouraged to love and value themselves as much as I love and value them. And by working on themselves and seeing that they're not broken, but they need to grow and heal too, this is really empowering. It's humbling and empowering at the same time. Number three, I see my children and myself and my partner as whole human beings, a divine soul here embodied, having a human experience. I do not see my child, my children as something or someone that I'm in control of or that I own or that I must dictate orders and demands to, although I've definitely done that. (laughs) And they're not here for me to manage. They are here to teach me as much as I am to teach them and they are here for me to support and care for and nurture them so that they flourish just as you care for your veggies growing in your garden or your flowers. They need nurturance but they also need space. They need deep loving care and guidance but they also need to be left alone. They also need autonomy. They also need respect I see that despite their developmental differences to myself as an adult, that they are completely whole and they are whole in so many more ways than I am, ways that I've forgotten, ways that I have been taught to disconnect from, which means that I must absolutely treat them with the same respect and the same patience and presence and kindness that I would offer to somebody else, that I would offer a complete stranger. They deserve that and more. This is really important in helping them develop autonomy in mind and body, in developing their own sense of self-respect, appreciation for what and who they are, for love of themselves, and of knowing that they are resilient and capable and intelligent and so uh, just so able to decide for themselves what is right for themselves because they are whole and complete. And it supports me to always check my responses and reactions. So when I am able to remember, I am looking at a whole human being here. So therefore, is my response and reaction right now okay if I'm responding and reacting to a whole human being? And if it's not, then I check that and I change that. Number four, I free my children from the need to receive approval. It actually brings me to tears and I think this is very much connected to my own wounding. It brings me to tears at the thought or the demonstration of my child doing something just to receive my praise. It actually makes me tremble. If that is to happen in a really exacerbated way, it indicates to me that my child has begun disconnecting from her own truth or his own truth and own inner light. And instead of seeking validation and acknowledgement from external sources, sorry, and, and instead they are seeking validation and acknowledgement from external sources. They're looking outside of themselves. Am I okay? Is this okay? Do you love this? Do you love me? Am I worthy? These are all things that I work on literally every week with grown women. They all carry these wounds, including myself, because at a very young age and all through our upbringing, most of us were taught that the external validation is more important and potent and powerful than your own reverence and approval of yourself 
I'm not against competition, but if you are constantly competing with other people and comparing with other people, there's no self-referencing there. There's no respect and understanding as to what is right for you. You know, if you want to run a marathon race and you're just competing against your own drive, that's different to only ever wanting to compete against somebody else because if you win and the whole world sees you as a winner, then you are better, okay, happy, worthy. I want my children to know that what matters most is their own sense of self, to approve of themselves and their decisions from within. Now, of course, we all love to receive validation. Of course, we love to say to our children and they love to hear, oh, that painting is beautiful, honey. You've done so great there. Or, oh, I saw you've been practicing the letter S and that's awesome. Look how much better you're getting at that. Of course, we're human. We deserve to have acknowledgement and validation. Of course, I'm not saying no to that. But I always make a point in discussion with my children of not layering on praise and approval in such a sickening way that they have disconnected from what is right and true from them. And I do this by checking in and supporting my children to check in with themselves. How do you feel about this? How did it feel for you looking down and seeing that your letter S has changed in shape and that it feels easier to write? How does it feel when you look at this painting? I think these colours are great, but I want to know how you feel. How did you feel doing it? How do you feel now when you look at your work? Dr. Shafali says, children don't need us to lead them to an awakened state because they are already awake. And as parents, it's vital for us to understand that as long as our children are in touch with their deepest self, with its boundless resources, they will motivate themselves beyond anything we could ever imagine. If I am to constantly layer on approval or if my children are constantly seeking for my approval, where is the inner fire that motivates them to move forward and experience something, try something, be brave and confidently explore new un uncharted territory for themselves? So there's a difference between that constant approval seeking and natural, effortless, easy, beautiful, loving validation and acknowledgement. And that's really, really important for me. I have a clear memory as a child. Oh, maybe I was a teenager, but this was obviously after years of having this, um, this message land in my body. I wasn't naturally very good at mathematics slash not naturally inclined or interested in it. You know, I was an artist. I wanted to paint and take photographs and make, make things and be in my imagination, which obviously wasn't validated or approved of and wasn't acknowledged and wasn't heralded or nurtured. And I remember busting myself to do this mathematics exam. And I came home and I think I got 93% or maybe 97%. And I can't remember exactly the number, but my dad turned to me and he looked at it and he nodded. And he said, where's the other 3%? And I get it. He was trying to motivate me to do better. I get it. He could see my potential. And I had just shown him that actually I was pretty good when I applied myself at something. But I didn't hear that at that age. I heard, wow, I worked really hard for you and you still didn't see that 
and you still didn't see me and you still didn't honour what I'd done and how I worked at this and how much I achieved. And do you want to know what happened? I let go of all drive and motivation, all of it, to work at mathematics. I decided to just do the bare minimum. So that's why that's so important to me. And I'm sure you're listening to this and you're already remembering something similar that happened to you. Number five, I remind my children regularly that their body is their own. My job is to support them to be healthy, to be safe, to be protected, to eat well, to move well, to explore the boundaries of their bodies. But ultimately, they are in this body. It is their body that they've chosen and that they must decide for themselves. So that's who they hug, what they wear, who is allowed to come close. It's challenging with a two-year-old to get him dressed Uh, But as much as possible, I try and get him dressed and say, we're going to put on your clothes now. Hope that's okay. Can you help me slide your arm through this hole? Great. That's awesome. Head goes through this hole. Okay. Can you pull your pants up a little bit? Of course, I don't get that right every day because sometimes we are rushing and we're busy. And I say to him, we've got to get you dressed. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to get you dressed now. So I preface that. I'm going to have to help you be in your clothes quickly. And over the years, I've gotten... Soleil to, as she wishes, either choose clothes on her own and dress on her own. I'm here always to help if you ask for help. I'm here always to encourage you to choose whatever you want. And she will frequently come out dressed in an outfit that I just think is, what is that? That is so uncomfortable and I'm not sure that that's the right outfit. And so I will maybe guide. Honey, do you think they're the best shoes for you to climb and to do this or that, whatever it is we're doing. Have you seen the weather outside? Do you think that you're going to be comfortable and warm in that outfit? But ultimately, I will not ever tell her that that doesn't match with that and that doesn't look pretty with that. And to be honest, my husband was doing that for a while and I really had to put a stop to that because it actually made me want to vomit. I would say, what kind of woman are you raising that she needs to pander to and seek your approval as to how she looks? And there came a point where I would notice she would actually say, Daddy, does this look good? Daddy, does this go with this? And again, had to stop that because it just wasn't working for me. As a woman and knowing how we are in the world, expected to show up to the male gaze, and that's a whole separate conversation, that wasn't okay with me. And in conversations and discussions with my husband, I explained this and he got it. So their body is their own. Okay, number six. I do my best to honour my child's no. If my child says no to something, and of course that's a no within reason, I do my best to honour it. Even in uncomfortable situations where my preconditioned self wants to not rock the boat, I try not to speak for my child. If she says no, and it's a reasonable no, and it's a respectful no, I encourage her to voice that and to own that and to make any requests and comments that she wants to around that no. I do my best to help her to love and respect others and their no as well, their comments, their thoughts, their feelings, and to know that she can say no and somebody else might not like that and that's also okay. And all of that has to come from a space of kindness and empathy. But never do I expect her to 
you know, at the expense of herself, let go of what feels good and true for herself. I never expect my daughter to um, water down her no and to water down her boundaries because it's the nicer thing to do for somebody else. And I know that sounds really odd. You know, we want to raise nice, kind, empathetic children, and I get that. But what I mean is if... um, my daughter's just gone on the swing at the playground. She's just got on and she's waited. And somebody comes up and a little kid says, can I get on the, the swing now? My encouragement to my daughter is, you can say no. I've just gotten on. It's my turn now. But I'll call you when I'm done. I'm not okay with her saying, no, go away, of course. But I'm really comfortable with her to use her voice and say, I'm here now, this is for me now, or I'm using this now. And it's something that I've had to work on with her in her schooling situation as well. She's a very vivacious, bright child, very open and very empathetic, but she's also incredibly shy when she hits up against somebody else's power. So that's been something that we've had to work on, to be able to say, I don't like that, that's not okay for me. And I will not turn around, for example, when she is at my parents' house or my son is at my parents' house and my dad in his funny slash loud slash cheeky way says, come here and give me a hug. And if they say no and they turn away, I will say, do you think that you could say no with a little more kindness? But I will not turn around and say, go on, give him a hug, give him a kiss, go on, do it, do it, do it. And I'll just look at my dad and say, they've said no. And just smile. That's a really big one. Very big one for me. Number seven, I layer on appreciation in an authentic way. So this is different to the conversation about approval. So when I ask something of my son or daughter, so for example, they've asked me to watch a TV show and I say, sure, you can watch Bluey, but first we need to pack away. I would like to see this space clean, and tidy before the TV goes on. Will you help me with that, please? And once it's done, and, you know, it's not like they're always like, yeah, sure, mum. There's always a bit of resistance, and sometimes there's not. Depends on the day. I don't layer on false praise. I'm like, oh, my God, look at you. You're so amazing. You just packed that ushy into that bucket. Look at you. That's condescending, to be honest. But I express gratitude and appreciation. I let them know their actions were were felt and seen and received and so appreciated. And that might sound like, you know what, Raph, I really appreciate it when you help me pack away. It is so helpful. So the words that I use are words that show them that I'm not condescending your actions because of course you know how to pick up an ushi and put it back in the basket. <laughs> but I'm acknowledging that what you did was supportive for myself and the whole family. And doesn't everybody just want to feel supportive and that they've contributed in some way? So appreciation is important, especially if I've made a point. So I don't go in, pack away, pack away, put everything away now, now, now. And then once it's done, they've only done it because I've yelled, although I've definitely done that before. I've reached the end of my tether and it's all just too much, of course. But I'm mindfully trying every day to instead ask with kindness and then offer kindness back in my gratitude. Moving to number eight now, I remind my children daily of their divine essence. You are divine. You are light. You are powerful. You are a human being with an incredibly magic body. 
you are connected to nature. And we repeat affirmations together. I ask them to breathe when they need to. I ask them to slow down and connected to the feelings within their body. I ask them to honor what sensations they can feel and see that as a magic language that's moving through them and helping them understand more and more about what's going on for them. It's important to me that even if they don't get it cognitively yet, that I have the conversation of their innate spirituality and essence. So I will frequently say to my children if I notice a sign, oh, I was just thinking this and I asked for some guidance and I saw this number. And that number is a really powerful vibrational number. That's a sign that the angels were just helping me out here. Oh my God, my daughter loves it. She loves it. And she'll say, Mama, are the angels around us? And I say, they are above you, below you, all around you and within you. You are an angel. You are divine. She doesn't get it yet, but she gets it at the same time. Number nine, I show my children that I love myself by honoring what I value, what I want to create, what I want to do, and by creating boundaries around all of that and explaining why this is important to me. So, for example, when my daughter wants to take something of mine that I'm not okay with sharing, uh, I will say, I'm okay with you looking that for a moment, but it needs to come back here because that's special to me and it's really important that I feel that that's been properly cared for. And if it's still in this spot, then that makes me feel happy. Or I, um, I'm going to yoga and I'm really excited to go to yoga. I'm really excited to be alone with my body and my breath. And that's really important for me. And I know that you don't want me to go, but I always come back. And I always come back with more openness and lightness. And that's important for you too. So that one day when my daughter turns around to me and says, I don't want to do that, mama, that doesn't feel good to me, or I'm going to do this instead because this feels better for me, or I need some space, I'm just going to sit in my quiet corner, I am cheering. She's feeling what she needs, she's honoring her boundaries, and she knows that she's allowed to. How am I supposed to create an empowered, connected, self-loving, self-assured, worthy human being if I'm not demonstrating that? And I wasn't very good at that in the first year or so of her life, to be honest. Maybe first year and a half even. I was really crap at that. I completely lost myself, lost my boundaries, lost my intuition. And I had to claw my way back to that. So just know that if you're hearing this and you're not so good at that yet either, please know that you can turn that around. If that's tugging at you, that can change quite quickly. Number 10, I help my children to understand moments when I am disappointed, sad and frustrated. I explain that all the emotions that I am feeling are normal, that there's no good or bad emotions and that it's important for me to feel them and that I'm okay. My child has seen me in a panic attack before and although it's not my ideal, when that's happened, Rafi has come close and held me and lent into me and not in a way of I'm going to rescue you in a holding space way. It actually makes me want to sob remembering it. And I will look at him through tears and I will take a deep breath and I will say, thank you. I'm okay. I'm just feeling some really big things here. And I can see that I need to look after myself better. And that I'm great after that. And I'm so grateful that I felt all of that. 
And I remind them to not be scared and to not feel they need to rush in and save me or to not be worried because I'm, I'm a grown-ass woman and I'm feeling what I'm supposed to feel and I'm honoring feeling in a way that I wasn't taught to. So in turn, I support my children to do the same thing. I honor all of their disappointments without rushing in to fix it. Cover over it or distract from it. It drives me nuts when a child is crying and everybody's just shaking toys in that baby's face or trying to um, distract the baby. I even did that for a period of time with Soleil when she was little. And I don't judge that with other people because I have moments sometimes, especially with with S, where I'm like, I don't know if I've got it left in me right now to fully honor all of your feelings because there's been a lot of feelings today and I'm kind of numbing out a bit from it. But I'll actually tell her when that happens. I'll say, honey, mama's at capacity. I've actually... I'm, I'm full now, I'm over full and I don't have any space left in me to hold all of your emotions. I'm just going to go off and refill myself and try to create more space because I'm, I'm having trouble honoring how I feel and how you feel today. But mostly I do my best to be there fully and to hold them through their tears and their screaming. I've done podcast episodes on this before where I've told a story about Raffi letting rip in an occupational therapy session for Soleil in a hallway full of people and instead of just like forcing him into the pram and trying to get him out and rushing away while he was in hysterics I actually just held space for him and just sportscasted what he was feeling yeah you're really feeling big stuff right now and you are not happy with me and I can see that and I'm here I'm not going anywhere I love you let those tears come Let's get those feelings out. Let's get the yuckies out. Let's see how we feel on the other side of that. Number 11, stay with me. I've only got three more. Number 11 is I love on my children like you wouldn't believe. There is not one day that goes by that I don't hug and kiss them. There is not one day that goes by that I do not tell them, I love you. I love you so much always. And when it comes to loving on them, I choose to connect before correct. This is something I learned from positive discipline. I am definitely not perfect at this, of course, but I aim to lean into their struggles and clashes with connection first. So I might come closer and say, wow, you're feeling something really big here and you're really angry. Can I sit close to you? Or do you need a hug? Or can I just let you know that I'm here and I'm willing to listen? And Soleil has started to explain to me, Mummy, when I do this with my hands, it means I want you to come closer. Mummy, when I move my body like this, I need you to step away. When we just go straight in for correction, we're going straight into punitive punishment. We're going straight into control and fix and manage. That dampens the spirit and it shuts down voices and feelings and I'm not okay with that. As a somatic life coach... I spend many hours of it every week working with women on learning how to feel again, on learning how to be okay with coming undone a little bit. So I aim into, sorry, I aim to lean into these moments and to provide a safe space for them to express all of their struggles with love surrounding them. And if we have a clash, I always, 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 always follow with love. I'll come up to Soleil after a clash or Rafi and I'll say, honey, can I just have you for a moment? I'll get down on my hands and knees. I'll be very close to them and I'll say, 
I'm really sorry that that happened the way that it just happened. I'll give them a reason. I'll help them understand and I'll just say, just know that I love you so much and I'm always here with you. And you can come to me with any feelings and any thoughts. <coughs> Excuse me. They see me messy and I see them messy, but they also see tenderness and unconditional love as the constant thread to all of this. <clears throat> okay, number 12, we're almost there. I look at my children's behavior as the tip of the iceberg. What is underneath that iceberg, that tip, is what I cannot see and is actually what needs to be addressed and brought to the surface. So a question that I often ask is what need is unmet here that I perhaps need to intuit or ask directly about and respond to? I also look at what's unfolding for me through the experience. So what is on repeat here that is bugging me about their behavior? What childhood wound or void or limiting belief is ready to be looked at here? What is coming up for me that I actually need to heal first before I can um, establish a change in our dynamic and our relationship? What is my child forcing me to see, to honor and to heal in order not only for me to up-level myself, but also to become more of the guide that they need me to become. I had a clear download a couple of years ago regarding Soleil that she was fast-tracking my spiritual growth and journey because, yes, she was here as my guru to help me heal, but she was actually saying, I have a big job to do here on planet Earth and I chose you and I know you need to go through this set of initiations and changes and spiritual up-levelings because then you become the woman that you need to become for yourself, but you then become the mother that I need because your job to guide me is really important too. So you want me to be who I'm supposed to be? Do this work, mum. So their behaviour is the tip of the iceberg. What is underneath for them, from them, for me, from me? Last but not least, and definitely not the only point in how I conscious parent, but I thought 13 was more than enough. And I see 13 as quite a powerful lucky number. When you add one and three, you get four, and four is a very stable, powerful, grounding energy. So 13, I look often at where I can surrender more. Where can I soften more into acceptance and see the areas that I'm so foolishly gripping onto for control, white-knuckling, Areas that actually have no real value and can be relaxed in order to create more grace and flow that affects us all. A simple example that you probably know already, but what would happen if I just sat here at the table and sipped on my coffee and let them trash the apartment in a safe way without following them around and say, hey, what are you doing? Pack that away. What's going on here? Da, da, da. What would happen if I just surrendered and let them have a little bit of free exploration here and then the energy that they needed to get out is out of their system and we can work together on tidying up and moving to the next step. Or what would happen if I noticed my children jumping on the couch right at bath time and instead of trying to herd them like cats into the bath, I tune into the fact that, oh, wow, they're trying to regulate their nervous system. They're also trying to process big feelings from the day and they're also trying to seek out connection. What would happen if we play together? So I'll be in the kitchen and I'll say to my husband, okay, I'll finish the dishes. It's tackle time. And he'll go right onto it. 
and he'll walk out to the living room and he'll get all the cushions and he'll say tackles and the kids know and they run to the front door and they do this run and tackle thing and it's really full on but it's amazing and it's not like they go okay now we're ready and we take our clothes off and off we go into the bath very calmly but there is a lot more compliance after that because something has shifted and on a more spiritual level where else can I surrender when you're working through certain phases in your motherhood journey so for example a newborn phase Is it right for you to still be working on that? Is it right for you to still be pushing yourself down this pathway? What would happen if you surrendered to the 20,000 feeds in that day and surrendered to being on the couch in your pajamas and surrendered to drinking hot uh, cold coffee? What would happen if you're just okay with the situation as it is? There are so many moments in my early motherhood journey that I wanted surrendered to be there but that was part of my journey to have it completely ripped out of my system so that I could find it again in a deeper way. You guys know that surrender is something that's been big for me. So I wanted that to be the final point because it kind of underpins everything when we're talking about conscious parenting. All right, my sweets, that has been a good 40 minutes of chat for you. I have so loved to hear what you think of this. So please feel free to connect in any way. If as you're listening to this, you're thinking, I think I need some support. There are a few ways that you can work with me. I have a 90-minute heal one-on-one private session experience where we work predominantly on healing using energy medicine tools. I also have coaching packages, three-session, six-session, and 12-session packages. To be honest, at the moment, my six- and 12-session packages are the most popular, and I'm almost at capacity for those. If you feel like you need some guidance, if this conversation has made you realize, okay, there's some very clear areas where I'm unconscious, and they relate to these childhood wounds or these past experiences and traumas, and I want to clear clear those because that's how I then show up more as a conscious parent then please shoot me an email and let's book in your free 30-minute chat so we can have a little consult and get clear on what is right for you. You can email me at claire at claireobeyed.com. Thank you so much for tuning into One Woke Mama. If you found this episode supportive, please subscribe and leave a five-star review over on iTunes. This is the best way to cheer me on and to ensure that One Work Mama lands in the hearts and the ears of those that need it most. If you can think of somebody who would gain value from this podcast, please consider sharing it and doing them a favor. You can find me at claireobeyed.com or over on Instagram under claireobeyed underscore. I'm just one mama on the path to woke and I hope you choose to wake up with me too.